Welcome to Gu Dao Jinxing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into the ancient texts of Taoism to uncover timeless wisdom and discuss how to apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm Ian Felton, and I'm joined by my co-host, executive coach, David Wong. Morning, David. Good morning, Ian. So I'm curious to hear if you have a walking the timeless way moment to share with us today. I actually do. Uh, last night, I spoke to one of my uh, mentees who is mm. a, currently pursuing a, a PhD uh, mm. in Australia. She had a, you know, she had a surgery recently, so I was asking her what, you know, how she's doing. And she shared with me with an experience, which, which I thought is a, you know, uh, walking the timeless way moment. Uh, what she told me was, you know, usually like in the past when something like, you know, surgery or any kind of health problem happened to her, you know, she got really like, worried and frustrated and anxious. But this time she uh, felt uh, kind of different. I said, wow, so tell me more. So she shared with me that um, nowadays uh, she's getting clear and clear about, uh, you know, what she needs to do. Like she is, you know, really uh, very super focused on her uh, PhD dissertation. So within that, you know, big, big goal or purpose or priority in mind. So all these things that, you know, other things start to, um, she, she kind of put all things happening to her in perspective. So I, I think I can relate to that because I feel a lot of times, like when I have a day or begin a day, with a clear purpose or intention, I've, I find that things that happen to me, uh, you know, they, they I, I can very immediately like size, uh, you know, assess, you know, this is less important, you know, this is, I shouldn't be bothered by it. So through that kind of process, I, I, I feel like, you know, if we're, living one with Tao and Tao is our, you know, higher purpose is something that we're uh, focusing on. Then when other things happen to us, when, you know, all kind of noises around us, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have feelings toward them, but they don't get into us uh, that much. So that's the kind of the moment uh, yesterday when I spoke to this mentee of, of mine, you know, I start to realize. I think it's wonderful and, and it makes perfect sense that when we start the day with an intention to focus on Tao and principles and those things and they're clear in our mind, it just makes dealing with things so much simpler because we, we have these skills, this mindset, this way of being front and center, and we can just respond a lot more effectively. 
Exactly. Exactly. I feel like the your goal, your priority, you know, what's most important to you.、Uh, once you have that clarity,、um, I, I think you can.、Um, uh, it, it focuses you and it anchors you, kind of it grounds you. So that's the.、Uh, I mean, in terms of the specific content of that purpose,、uh, I'm sure it it varies from one person to to the other, but. Uh, you know, but generally, when our life or our day has that purpose, has that、uh, end goal,、uh, I think we we can deal with things much more、uh, actually effortlessly. You know, in, in a lot of ways. What would be maybe an example of a way to ground ourselves? First thing when we get up to to set that intention, how how complicated or simple can it be?、Uh, it's、uh, depending on the you know. I think for a day, you know, everybody has some kind of you know when they think about the、uh, at the start of a new day, you go through in your mind the. Uh, some of the things you need to do, I, I think, start from there.、Um, and、uh, if you deal with, I think, a lot of times, you know, people just plunge themselves into the daily activities without、mm-hmm. that sorting. I think taking a step back at the beginning of the day to look at what's important and why is it important. I think helps us to, you know, prioritize, and then, you know, based on that prioritization, it's a matter of having the self-discipline uh, to uh, focus on those things and uh, uh, ward off the、uh, distractions or temptations throughout the day. I think at the end of the day,、um, I think very naturally we have a, we either have a. You know, a good feeling about how we live that day, or we feel like, you know, we really haven't lived up to what we set out to do. So, I mean, naturally, there's a feedback to ourselves. Even other people may not say anything. Yeah, I hear just an intention to really live the principles and stay. Connected with them、mm-hmm. from the time that we wake up until the time that we go to bed. Obviously, there's tasks that we have to perform, and you know our practice will drift into the background. But the more that we connect with it, and the more that we engage with it, the more that it's immediately there when we need it. The way that I've been thinking about it a lot more. Recently, just cycles within cycles. There's there's a daily cycle.、Mm-hmm. There's a weekly cycle.、Mm-hmm. There's a, I would you could call it a monthly cycle, but、yep. really the way that I practice, it's more of a it's a lunar cycle because it's connected with the moon. Yep. And then there's an annual cycle, and that annual cycle of yin and yang. Energies,、um, the ebb and flow. Like right now, we're kind of a, pe- a peak 
yang cycle in the northern hemisphere and so mm-hmm. kind of aligning our practice with those within those cycles is really important and the daily part is obviously the frame the the foundation for that without that daily cycle the other cycles uh are are more difficult to stay in touch with yeah yeah i think start with the maybe the smallest cycle maybe it's like a 24-hour cycle because Mm -hmm. you know i remember one of my favorite quotes is uh you know how you live your day is how you live your life i think there's Mm -hmm. a lot of um, you know, there's some, it's a good, there's some, it has a very good point in it. It reminds me of another quote that you said recently, you, you stand where you sit, where you sit. Maybe I, I got that re- reversed, but basically it's, it's right in the same moment. This is the moment to do it in. There's no other place. There's no other time. It's, mm-hmm. it's now. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah, I would say, you know, uh, form a, a daily ritual uh, uh, first and use that as a foundation. And then, uh, you know, it can work, start to work the level up to more of a larger cycle and uh, maybe larger scale. Yeah, uh, all the way up to, you know, the kind of life purpose you know that's that's more that's more complex because that involves all different aspects of it and uh i don't think you can do it only through one one time it's it's continuous but Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people either i find them uh they they don't they get so bogged down by the daily details they don't tend to think about it or the other end is people think about these grand plans to change the world, but they don't have a uh, daily anchoring. So uh, if they don't have the building blocks of a daily uh, managing their daily cycle well, everything else tend to collapse. Yes, it's the it's still ultimately the daily cycle and, and mm-hmm. taking time maybe even three times a day with with meals or whatever makes sense to you you know it's an individual practice but the point is is trying to touch base with these principles if we look at the foundations of religion it's not about dogma and taoism it's about following rhythms, following the moment, following the cycles and Mm -hmm. your life and your cycles are going to be unique to you. And so that's why there's no prescribed do this at seven in the morning, do this. at. I mean, that's just too rigid and doesn't work for Taoism the way that it might work for other religions, but essentially how I think about spirituality, spirituality is the product of our religion. So religion, those are the repeated activities that we do to engage with our spiritual practice. The fruit of that is feeling more spiritual, is feeling more alive in that way. The religion is the practice of that. It's kind of like doing 
I'll use a, a physical fitness metaphor. Mm-hmm. Going to the gym and exercise, that's the religion. Feeling healthy, that's the spirituality. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, that's an w- interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. It seems to me that religion, every time I th- think about religion, another word comes to mind, which is the, um, which, which is the regiment. Right, mm. regimen. Uh, it's a kind of a structure. Religion tends to provide a structure uh, around a set of activities. I think the recurring thing, the repetition, it, it seems to be one of the key char- characteristics of mm-hmm. religion. I think spirituality seems to me that you have to put yourself in into it. So you have to be mm-hmm. immersed in it. So if you don't, you know, marry your, your own spirit with that regimen, it becomes hollow and uh, superficial. I think that makes perfect sense. And I think that's a great place for us to kind of move past the introduction for today and, and, move into the text, which we, we want to get into chapter 16 today. And I want to flip things a little bit, because I know in the past, we generally read the the Chinese text first, and then do the translation. I'm kind of wondering today, maybe I'll read the translation first, so that people, most of the people that listen, who are just English speakers, they have that as a frame of reference and then jump into the the Chinese reading. How does that sound today? Yep. Okay. So um, I'm going to do a red pine reading today of chapter 16. His tend to be a little more poetic and I, I do like this translation. Keeping emptiness as their limit and stillness as their center, 10,000 things rise. We watch them return, creatures without number, return to their roots. Returning to their roots, they are still. Being still, they revive. Reviving, they endure. Knowing how to endure is wisdom not knowing is to suffer in vain. Knowing how to endure is to yield. To yield is to be impartial. To be impartial is to be the ruler. The ruler is heaven. Heaven is the way, and the way is long life, a life without trouble. Mm -hmm. So Red Pine's translation, you know, gets a little loose at times, but there is some, some poetry to it. Now I'm, I'm wondering if you would be willing to read that in Chinese and then we'll, we will kind of have a discussion that focuses more on that original text. Sure. Fu Wu Yun Yun 
各复归其根，归根曰静，静曰复命，复命曰常，知常曰明，不知常，往作凶。知常容，容乃功，功乃权，权乃天，天乃道，道乃久。Awesome, thank you. Sure. So, having heard heard the translation that I just did, and then just reading it, what did you feel? What was your reaction? How would you compare and contrast the translation with what you felt when you read it in the original Chinese text? I think the translation. I think in overall, it、uh, reflects the the original messages. You know, as you said,、uh, you know, there's a poetic.、Uh, I, I think the translation is good because、uh, in the original text, it's also very poetic.、Hmm. Uh, so it it kind of mirrors it,、uh, mm -hmm. the the poetry aspect. So. We want to get into the themes of this. the The poetry does come many times because of the repetition and the way that Lao Tzu builds on concepts, where he'll use a character, compare it to another character, but then use the last character compared to start a new comparison. And he kind of builds these chains yes, of yes. effect and. It's a it's a very useful、um, literary device, but、mm -hmm. that that's that's also talk about what it might actually mean. So, in this chapter, one of the first concepts that we encounter is this idea of of emptiness, stillness, holding on to stillness, attaining the ultimate emptiness. What do you think that Lauza is is trying to get us to do?、Mm -hmm. uh, emptiness uh, in the original、uh, Chinese philosophical concept is xu,、uh, like a zhi xu ji xu. I think it's also interesting to note that、uh, in the Chinese、uh, traditional thinking. Um, you know this constant interactions between Buddhism and Taoism and Confucianism is an interesting one, especially in this.、Uh, you know, around Xu, I think a lot of times,、uh, you know, the Chinese、uh, Buddhism tradition borrowed the.、Uh, there's a word called Wu, like、uh, Wu and Xu. Um, they are kind of this similar.、Uh, people think, okay, it's emptiness or nothingness.、Um, but if you trace the origin of Xu, it's actually something called a Wu Ji, Wu Ji, because、uh, you know Tai Ji Quan, you know Tai Ji Quan. So Wu Ji is yeah, Wu Ji is even before Tai Ji. So Tai Ji is、mm -hmm. that. That oneness, then the oneness from oneness, there's the yin and yang. It becomes、mm. two. 
two becomes three. So what's before the oneness is the Xu and Wu Ji. And at that time, you know, during that during that state, it's something like, you know, potentiality. It's it's not like totally nothing. It's Xu, but nothing, but not things are haven't been manifested yet. Mm-hmm. Called Xu. Mm-hmm. So that is a very, very, very important concept in Taoism. Yeah, and I'll make a connection in in psychotherapy, in the Gestalt tradition. There's uh, Gestalt is all about cycles of experience, and the most important part of the cycle of experience is called the fertile void. And so mm-hmm. that the the choice of words there, it's not a void. A void would be emptiness or nothing. They use the word fertile to really, it, 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 it's, it seems like synonymous with, with shoe because it's saying it's full of potential, but nothing has arisen yet. Right, 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 right. So from this shu, this ancient concept, uh, even in modern Chinese, uh, we say something is uh, humble or modest. We say xu xing, xu xing. Mm. Xing is heart. When somebody's mm-hmm. heart is kind of empty, meaning that person is not full of himself. Mm. You know, it's not like um, egoistic. Because that, you know, using the Zen story, mm-hmm. you know, with the teapot, not overfilled mm-hmm. with water, and nothing kind of comes into it. So if I'm hearing you, then we, we can kind of think about our own hearts this way in, in our practice that Lao Tzu is, is really more about this uh, shishin where mm. we are, our, our hearts are not full of ourselves, but really open to all of the potential of life, but yeah. not having our egos get in the way where with our agendas, with our putting ourselves first, trying to make it about us, that sort of thing. Right, right, right. That sounds great. So how do you think in our modern world, the way that it's set up, I mean, we, we live in a culture that's very much about everyone competing for eyeballs and everyone trying to, mm-hmm. I, sh- I shouldn't say everyone, but our, our culture is one of trying to get people to pay attention to you and the things that you're doing. How can we, how can we practice Shushin or this ultimate emptiness holding on to stillness in this type of society? I would say it's pretty hard because we're surrounded by information, information, you know, noises, you know, all the uh, sensory stimuli. I think living, uh, you know, unless you, uh, you become more deliberate in kind of taking a break 
from all these things, uh, you know, you can't help being affected by those. Yeah, I think, you know, this just, it comes back to where Taoism, not as a philosophy, but as a practice, I think that's the thing that we're really, with our podcast title, Walking the Timeless Way, we, we chose walking very deliberately because it it's an engagement. It's a process of, of engagement, and without walking it, it is just a philosophy. I mean, mm-hmm. any religion that is just talked about and analyzed, that's just a philosophy. It becomes something real when it's practiced. And so for this, we really have to deliberately practice stillness, whether that's carving out 10 minutes of the day to just sit and do nothing. I know for me, one of the best moments of the day, if, if my cat or one of my cats just jumps up in my lap, I have to be still. I can't work because if I start working, they'll run off and, and I want them to be there. I want them to be close to me. And so that's a stillness practice in and of itself, just sitting there in stillness with this cat on my lap and we're just doing nothing. We're just sitting there just being together. That's very good. That's very nice uh, uh, way of practicing stillness. So looking for these opportunities, um, what are some other ideas that you have? What are some, um, maybe some other ways of, of being still in our, in our daily lives? Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, walking around the lake early in the morning, uh, you know, there's that stillness uh, feeling. Um, Sometimes listen to uh, certain music. Uh, You know, one of my favorites is actually some of the the hymns, actually hymns Mm -hmm. in uh, played out in different instruments, so mm. like guitar or piano or something. Mm. Yeah, so that when I I can do certain things, you know, doing the chores at home, but also listen to immerse myself in that kind of music, uh, I can feel stillness. Uh, so yeah, the the type of music then allows you to. It sounds like be more reflective yeah yeah i'm not actually thinking i'm just like uh i'm not at that time i'm not using my mind that much Mm -hmm. because i Mm -hmm. feel in other aspects i use it too much so Mm -hmm. uh i do not like words uh because then when i listen to cnn the other news channel uh or even podcast i feel like i'm exhausted and tired of words so Hmm. i just wanted kind of taking a bath you know in the music you know like a (laughs) swim plunging into the lake or swim or something that's great so even that choice is about more creating a sensory experience a connection and an embodied experience if you will getting out of our heads and just trying to feel the emotions evoked through 
some kind of instrumental music or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, first of all, it's my choice. So it's not a kind of sensory overload imposed on me. So I deliberately, because over the over the years, I have my favorite uh, music and tunes. And those tunes, I know, have a, a deeper connection with me. So when I'm in that tune, you know, I, I, I feel... Uh, connected with something deeper though well that sounds like a a really lovely thing to keep in mind as we do our practice that we can use our own creativity to find the things that work for us and and here's a few things that you and i Mm -hmm. do but everyone should feel free to choose their own Mm mm-hmm I want to move on to another concept in this chapter, and it talks about everything returning to its root. What does that mean? What does it mean to return to our root? And after you elaborate on what that means, I'd also like to understand how do we do that? How do we practice returning Mm -hmm. to our root? Well, it can have different meanings. I think um, in our daily lives, you know, returning to our roots can be can mean going back to common sense. You know, so when the world gets very crazy and driven by, you know, certain, you know, um, you know that. A lot of times, you know, let's take politics, for example. I think politics has its own um, rule of game, let's say, right? Has its own uh, uh, kind of laws, right? The winning and, you know, basically it's determined by the structure, the, the process of political process, you know, votes, campaigns, right? Speeches. Uh, all those things. And people over time, people kind of, just like any other games, they know the how it's played. And some people even know how to game the system, right? So everything just so dynamic and gets so crazy. Then we start to lose the common sense. So when we say return to the root, I mean, we sometimes go to the uh, you know, return to common sense, meaning, you know, what this government is for, right? Uh, well, how, uh, why is the government, what was, what was the reason was the government created in the first place? Like basic questions like that. I, I think that seems to me like, you know, instead of the getting really crazy in the process of it, we ask the fundamental question. Asking the fundamental question means returning to the root. That's just one one of the examples. And so it's easy to get lost in our own concepts and society's drama, if you yep. will. Yeah. And returning to the root sounds pretty free of drama. Would you agree with that? Uh, could you say that again? That when we return to the root... It, we're 
we have liberated ourselves from a lot of the emotional drama that can arise when we get caught up in the superficial things of life. Yeah, we may still be in it and surrounded by it, but we create intentionally create a a space, uh, space. You know, we're not escaping from it because it's hard to imagine unless, like, we become a hermit. I think we're still surrounded by it, but we are not uh, tricked or duped by it. Or you, you know, we uh, mm. you know we get lost ourselves. You know, we can see things with more clear eyes. Well, and and those clear eyes, you had mentioned in our preparation this idea of. The authentic self, and and so when I hear you say seeing through clear eyes, I, I feel like there must be some connection to our our authentic self when we're seeing that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that concept, uh, authentic self. Um, I mean that that word itself is, um, I guess, people different people have a different notion. Uh, for me, authentic self means um, I think it has something to do with my my own my origin or origin in the sense of my family, what kind of family I came from, uh, you know, what were my parents were like, my grandparents were like, you know, and you know the cultural upbringing. Of course, you know, for every family and every culture. There's the good, bad, and ugly, right? So we need to kind of be, uh, you know, have a, a a sense of, you know, what are in my family, the family I came from, what's that my core strengths? So I do not emulate anybody. I take the strengths of my my parents, you know, my grandparents, their characteristics when I. Grew up how hard they were they were working, and how they taught me to treat other people. Those things are thing I, I think are the the core things uh, I take with me. I reflect a lot. So no matter I, uh, you know I I go even in, I'm in the United States, uh, they are still with me. So that's what I consider to be the root. Because uh, otherwise, I'm like falling leaves in a global kind of, uh, you know, with the, the wave of the globalization, I would never feel rooted. Like for me, I think a lot of times, like even the poetry from the Chinese ancient poetry, that nour nourishes me. Uh, that's another sort of my nourishment uh, that even take me away from the modern Chinese society, which is, you know, getting more uh, materialistic and 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 uh, 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 consumer, you know, driven. So I can go back to my his my my culture and history and go to ancient times of the like like Taoism too, in, to a some extent. So I have a much greater source of diet to nurture myself. And so for you, this authentic self is. It, related to the the root and not forgetting your own story, not forgetting your own past or our childhoods and the things that make us 
who we are and yeah yeah i wouldn't say it's a like you know when i when i think about authentic self uh i remember heidegger said we are all uh you know our being is kind of we are thrown into the world so let's say mm-hmm. you, you were born in the united states right you are you you, mm-hmm. you're, you were born um you know in the uh uh, West Virginia, right? They, mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. where you grew up. So that's your, your, I mean, you didn't choose to do that, right? But you mm-hmm. are just like a, happened to born there. So that is um, the specific time and space like you were born, like you came to be. That is part of yourself. So there's nothing very in abstract, this ultimate authentic self that that individual mm-hmm. that's disconnected yeah. with, with everything. We are all born, our authentic self includes our own culture, our own community, our own parents. That's part of us. So that's how I see it. So that I cultivate that authentic self and the values with it when I journey through life. Yeah, I hear a lot of acceptance in that, that rather than trying to run away from the past, trying to run away from things that mm-hmm. you know maybe we wish weren't part of our past or our childhood, we we actually embrace who we are and accept who we are and the wisdom that comes along with that. Now in in psychology we know an ex, a, a full exploration of the past and an and, and acceptance a deep acceptance of it that's how you actually do change otherwise you're still kind of if you're running from it it has power over you and so when when you talk about returning to the root and our authentic self that doesn't mean that there's no room for growth no room for change, it's the opposite. It's it's knowing it's through the roots in our ground that we absorb nutrients or one way. Right. Right. And and so if we're cut off from that, there's a whole path or or paths that we're not getting nutrients from. And so um, being open to that while still growing toward the future self that we want to cultivate those are not at odds exactly well i want to move on to another concept in this chapter and it comes up a lot which in in chinese it would be chang or or the constant Mm -hmm. and it talks about knowing the constant and how it can lead to deeper understanding would you please elaborate on that and and also when you are finished elaborating i'd also want to hear how we can we can mm-hmm. apply it how we can how we can practice it mm-hmm. yeah in, in chinese uh tr- traditional philosophy chang and another word are usually discussed uh side by side the other word is uh, is bian. Bian means change. 
So that's very similar to the early ancient Greek discussion about, uh, you know, Heraclitus, you know, becoming versus uh, a being. Um, I, I think uh, Chinese thinkers, they try to uh, observe from the universe, from nature, like change of seasons, uh, you know, just because I think overall it just had to, it's a, it's an ancient, one of the ancient uh, agrarian, you know, civilizations. So they uh, see the patterns. So they try to understand, uh, you know, they, they see, obviously they see the changes, right? The different seasons, mm-hmm. hot and cold and, and warm. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, they also try to, identify things that are either stable or recurring. So that's the Chang, uh, you know, that's the Chang concept. So those two things are, uh, you know, some philosophers even, you know, start to debate, you know, uh, some people like tend to emphasize, over uh, overemphasize Chang. Sometimes some others emphasize Bian which is the change. And so where do you draw the line? It's a, always being throughout Chinese philosophy. It's an interesting kind of debate. Yeah, and thinking about it that way, it makes a lot more sense than why some of these older traditions follow a a lunar cycle that would be an example of chong it doesn't matter and being but essentially it doesn't matter what's going on on planet earth when you look into the sky that lunar cycle is consistent there's a consistent pattern it doesn't change right right what it's going to be and so those are the sorts of of cycles that they're recognizing there is a cycle to so many things and regardless of all the little beings that are happening, all the changes, those cycles do remain. Obviously the, the, the bigger lessons, the, the, the cycle of life, seeing our own lives mm-hmm. as part of the cycle, we, we do recognize that, we we arise out of that fertile void out of um that sort of emptiness and we return to it and so that gets into um some other concepts around like wuwei for example about doing the minimum or, or what's necessary because it does recognize that everything returns back to that stillness back to that emptiness. And so there's no point get going beyond what is necessary because everything, there's a reversion to everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what else, how can we, how can we practice this? How can we actually make it part of our connection with Tao? I think in our world, uh, again, uh, we tend to overreact uh, to what's in front of us mm-hmm. without seeing a 
uh, larger pattern or larger cycle. We primarily, like sometimes we get very panicked or like anxious because of that narrow vision. So knowing Chang, I think helps us take a broader view, a longer term view on things. But how do you do that? I would, I would say taking the time to read history because we're so much driven by the propaganda and the media mm. at the moment. And uh, we know these institutions, these companies, uh, they have their motive to mm. keep our attention, right? To, to, to hold our attention uh, because of the business model they have. Mm -hmm. So I think to um, take time to 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 um, more deliberately unplug ourselves from all these and explore uh, with curiosity, with you know a sense of exploration into the things in another setting, uh, you know, temporal setting, meaning like another time. Uh, over a period of time, you know, will help us see those patterns. So with the understanding of those patterns, we come back to our reality and then look at what's going on. We may not get freaked out or overreact that much. So to kind of summarize what you're saying, it's one, we have to understand the these patterns throughout history, how there's nothing new under the sun. Mm -hmm. People tend to believe that they're in a, an exceptional time. And, and yeah, every time is actually exceptional, I think, but it's, it's not unique in that sense that it's the only exceptional time that every time in, in history, there's been exceptional things happening. And so by, taking some time to understand those patterns that civil, every civilization rises and falls and there's a peak to civilizations and then they wane while other civilizations are rising. Nothing is going to change that, you know, whoever the most powerful country and empire is, maybe it's already peaked. Maybe it's already waning and something else is rising. There's no stopping that you can't, you can't prevent it no matter what that's that's how things work that's how the the earth works Tao works civilizations mm -hmm. humanity so that helps us gain that perspective and not take things so seriously you know that people get very worked up into mm -hmm. believing that they have to change something and that if they can just change it they'll set it in place and you know that problem will never happen again and it's just that's not how things work there there is no there's no solution that is permanent there's only you know each moment each day and what we can do and yes maybe we can engage with life in a certain way today but you know you you can't stop the the tide yeah, uh, that's where the uh, you earlier you said Wu Wei comes in play, 
Wu Wei is practiced just because of the acceptance and recognition of those natural cycles. Because when you see, um, you are humbled by these, uh, when you observe these natural cycles, and you、mm-hmm. say, "Who am I?" Just with one person,、uh, even with my, you know, brightest minds or the, you know, the most powerful, like persuasive rhetorics, I can change that tidal force of natural cycles.、Mm-hmm. I think, as an individual, as a country, we organize, we recognize that, and we focus on. Uh, we, I mean, we still can focus on things, you know.、Mm-hmm. I think it's、sure. just a matter of not wasting our energy to fight back those forces. I think we still have. It's not like, oh, I'm totally passive, you know. I don't、right. do anything. You can do a lot. Maybe you can even do better. Like instead of like, you know, change those things that that cannot be changed, or、uh, change those things that、um, are. You know,、uh, because of a a larger force at play, you know, why can we make our own lives a little bit better, our relationship a little bit closer, right? Why can we、uh, focus on our own countries and make the people,、uh, you know, their life、uh, live a little bit better, right?、Uh, so those things are. Not the what the politicians nowadays in a lot of countries are doing. They are using, they are actually、um, create more confusion and chaos. And、uh, unfortunately, a lot of people are not seeing. They, they don't have the the wisdom from learning these patterns. So they are all they are they are they are all sucked into this and.、Uh, And making the world even noisier and more chaotic. Yeah, I think that it's it works perfectly fine with the agenda of people who are, you know, the we can. I'm not going to wade off on this tangent too far, but we could call them global、uh, elites. That there are these global elites that they are. They have all these institutions in place, all these systems、mm-hmm. in place. If everyone else, the voter, you know, even democratic voters are completely confused and bewildered, that's fine. You know, they because they don't want them to be active participants in this anyway. They want them to just kind of fit into the system where they want them, which is essentially. The economic system, you know, they want them to be productive citizens doing the jobs that corporates, corporations, and、mm-hmm. want them to do. And so, that's the thing we have to understand: is that the, the news and these institutions, they're not going to go out of their way to give us clarity. That's what we have to be responsible for. These. Global institutions and political institutions—they are not going to invest in your spirituality. They are not going to invest in your own、um, spiritual well-being. You have to do that, and and so,、um, 
by being aware of these cycles and how our current lives fit into that, that's what gives us the ability to discern, okay, do I really need to get caught up in this or should I just be focused on something else and just let this be because it's really outside of my power and influence and it's just going to be a waste of my time and energy. Yes, I agree. So I want to get into um, maybe th there's this one more concept that we can cover from today's chapter, which it talks about really being in tune with heaven's way. And uh, there's this concept of, of heaven and Taoism. It's quite different than the sort of notion of heaven as a, a reward, as a paradise that is eternally lived within. Can, can you talk about the way of heaven in Taoist terms and um, particularly in this chapter, how harmonizing with that can lead to a, a better life or a longer life or more enriched life? Right, right. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, so in other chapters, um, you and I, we learn, you know, in one of the chapters, I remember there's a line there saying, heavens and earth are indifferent, right? Say so they don't favor anyone or any group. You you remember from those chapters, Tian Di Bu Ren, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so that's that is different from you know the major the notion of heaven in major uh, religions because heaven is used to let's say favor the followers of that religion, right? So. Yeah. You go to hell <laughs> if you are not following, you know, the, this doctrine or belief. Mm -hmm. Go to heaven if you, you know, uh, diligently work hard through your life, right? So the Taoist heaven doesn't seem to kind of uh, favor anybody. Mm -hmm. Having said that, in other chapters, the way Lao Tzu describes heaven's way is also very interesting. So it's not favoring anybody, but intrinsically, it seems to me that heaven's way is nurturing and creating without processing. So in other words, it's not a kind of, it's not a controlling heaven. It is, it leaves a lot of room for 10,000 things to emerge, to follow their own nature. So, uh, but at the same time, be very supportive, you know, create a space for that thing to, for 10,000 things to emerge, right? So I would say it's it's been benevolent or it's it has a, some goodness in it, but that goodness it's its own kind of nature, right? It's goodness and also it's goodness um, naturally giving out to 10,000 things, 
but not as a kind of a reward uh, in a very explicit way. But again, if somebody is not humble, not compassionate, they, they, they invite their own tr troubles. So I find that is quite amazing. It's, it's not a, our human notion of carrot and stick, but it still has a certain law in it that when some, somebody is not good, they will get into trouble. To me, it really, and this is why it appeals to me so much, it, it's more of a psychological heaven or psychological way, if you will, which there's no guarantees that you're not going to suffer if, if you adopt it. I mean, you will, but the suffering will probably be less and, and you avoid a lot of unnecessary suffering. I, I don't, would you say it's fair to make some comparisons to Buddhism or, or Zen, which is, it's really that non-attachment when Lao Tzu talks about not possessing, we're talking about don't get attached to things because that's what the, the, the constant is, which is it's constant change. If you, if you try to hold on to something, you're going to suffer unnecessarily because it's impermanent. And that's why, to me, it, it's a psychological heaven, if you will, because it's about being in the moment. Sure, we, we put our whole heart in the moment with the things that we love, but we also, we can't use them as life rafts. We can't use them as a way to cling to something solid and eternal, because if we do that, we're going to create a lot of psychological suffering when that life raft is, is not there. When, when, you know, it really is up to us to stand on our own two feet. That's why we can't possess things. We have to maintain that connection with Tao in our heart because then that is constant and we're not clinging to things that are going to disappoint us. Right. I think, um, if you between, read between the lines, I think there's a, some kind of a very subtle balance there, you know, balance or moderation, meaning that um, because things are constantly changing, you know, we're living in the, you know, there's this law of impermanence. So if we're attaching too much, we are causing these sufferings, uh, not, you know, all kinds of sufferings. Right. So um, yes. so we have to live a life with a sense of non-attachment. Right. But mm -hmm. because we are part of Tao, we, we cannot detach ourselves in it. So we still have desires. We have, you know, love and passion. But it's, you know, it's just part of our being part of uh, part, mm -hmm. part of Tao, you know, that yes. unflowing Tao. Uh, and, um, so we can't, first of all, I, I, you know, just my own understanding, first of all, we shouldn't be afraid of being hurt. Okay. Right. Because being hurt, uh, is part of living. I, yes. I firmly believe, you know, we cannot get into that state of pure serenity, uh, uh, 
you know, uh, mm-hmm. I, but but we can do better in not getting, you know, causing the unnecessary hurt. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of the subtlety in there. So that we can both truly living a life of full of engagement, but also engaged in a way not obsessed, preoccupied, or attached. Yes, I love it. I, I want to make one more connection. I know that there's uh, uh, an important writer, Ernest Becker, and he talks about the denial of death and how throughout time the the most evil that's been done in the world is by rulers who are attached to their own lives, their own mort- uh, mm-hmm. mortality, and they get so caught up in wanting to live forever, live as long as possible, that that craving to hold on to that and holding on to that power, that's where evil is done most of the time. And I think if you look, you can see pretty clearly, like, let's go look at the great pyramids and all of the, the people that were enslaved and worked to death so that these pharaohs could try to live forever. Um, that certainly was a lot of evil done. Um, even the, you know, if we look at the Nazis and mm-hmm. you, that the, they were so attached to creating this pure Aryan race and that they were willing to destroy and, and do so much evil to try to keep the white race going forever and purifying it. I mean, that's what we're talking about being attached to our own agendas. And, and we can look and see that, 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 that is not the way of heaven. It, it creates evil. It creates that sort of thing. And so by letting go of that and not being attached it, it gives us room actually to cherish the moment a lot more. Let that love come out knowing mm-hmm. this is a precious moment. It's going to leave. It's not going to last forever. This is a precious, tiny little mm-hmm. life. And yes, there's going to be pain and suffering in that. But by accepting that, that's what really allows that flower to blossom. I agree. Yeah, that's a good way of uh, actually summarizing our discussion today. Well, David, I appreciate meeting with you today and uh, there was lots of great discussion and I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts and wisdom on this chapter. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We make this podcast for you and is entirely listener supported. If you find value in our discussions of Dow please consider making a small donation at walkingthetimelessway.com. We also want to hear from you. Please write to us anytime via the website.